You're listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we look at questions and topics that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. In this episode, we're answering the question, what will heaven be like? So heaven is something that is taught in scripture as the eternal destination for followers of Jesus. But what will it actually be like? Is it going to be floating on clouds, playing harps with angels all around? Uh, How should we think about heaven as followers of Jesus? Welcome in to Church Unplugged. Welcome into Church Unplugged. I'm Jimmy Cozy, part of the leadership team here at Christ Community Chapel. Uh, I've got with me today Joe Coffey, our lead pastor, and then Zach Wyrock and Stacy Donardo, other members of our leadership team. Uh, our question for today is, what will heaven be like? So I don't know about you, but sometimes when I think of heaven, all I can think of is like in the Looney Tunes when somebody would get hit by an anvil or fall over a cliff and then their ghost would come out of their body and they would float up to the sky and they'd be sitting on a cloud playing a harp next to like an angel. I, I don't know. But the Bible obviously has a lot to say about heaven. So as and as followers of Jesus, that's something that we very much hope in. So what will it be like? Why do we hope in that? I don't know how many people have uh, referenced Looney Tunes to start out a discussion. <laughs> it's the kind of content we look to you to bring. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah. Only <laughs> a few people. Yeah, yeah. that was good. Uh, I would start out with um, <clears throat> the overall story of the Bible. Right, the overall story of the Bible is one of redemption. It's redemption of people, redemption of places. So when the Bible starts out in the Garden of Eden, uh, then you would look for that story to make a complete circle and end up with something like the Garden of Eden. And we'll flesh that out uh, in a little bit. But I want people have to quit thinking that heaven is uh, a whole nother kind of planet like Mars, like we're going to go from Earth to Mars, and that's going to be heaven. But it's going to be uh, a redemptive restoration of what God's plan, his original plan is. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's really well said, and, and his original plan for all things. So his original plan for us as on a macro level, humanity, and also on a micro level, like that that uh, I'm restored and renewed, so I am the Zach I'm meant to be and not the Zach I've become because of other people's sin or my sin, right? Or the planet Earth is what it will, what it was meant to be, not what it's become because of uh, wars or, or, or uh, natural disasters or whatever you might, you might have. So I, I think that's really what I said. It's a restoration back to God's original design, which was that he would dwell with us on Earth and that we would uh, subdue the earth and have dominion over it, create, make, shape under his kingship and supervision with his love and, and affection. It is, in other words, I would say maybe the, the most fundamental thing I could th- say is that heaven is this worldly, not otherworldly. Right. Mm, right. Yeah. And it's this world uh, at its very best. So you have tastes of heaven when things are exactly like those moments that you want to go, oh, I wish this could last forever. Yeah. Uh, you have a drop of the ocean that is coming our way. Um, I know C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Paralandra. It's a part of a science fiction trilogy. And in that book, he uh, that's one of the best books to read, to try to uh, to start to imagine what heaven would be like. What Zach said is is right. If you could ima- if you could just imagine what it would be like to live in a neighborhood where everyone was the very, perfect version of themselves, where everyone you met uh, gave you a tremendous joy and to just see, and they responded to you 
with nothing but love, appreciation, respect, admiration, and you responded to them in the same way. I mean, just that. You, you could have, uh, you know, coronavirus all you want. Give me that neighborhood and I will live there. Yeah, and, and what's compelling about that too is that, you know, because I think there have been various takes on this in pop culture, like The Good Place, a recent TV show that was, uh, you know, kind of the idea was you have to be good, right? right Even if right. deep down, you know, but we're not talking about that. We're not talking about a forced kind right. of morality, but like an actual, you are actually good, right? right? That, that I have changed so that the things that would motivate me to be the opposite of the neighborhood you just described right. are actually eradicated yeah. from me. And, and here's a fascinating thing that, that I love to hold out to people is the only way that can be true is not just if I change, but if the memory of the things that have happened to me is erased, right? Right. So you you yeah. think about if you've been through trauma or abuse or you know just you've lost someone, you're in, you've dealt with grief, you know you would say even on my best days, my best days are tainted by that. So what would it look like to not just have best days, but to be set free from that? Yeah. That there is no residue uh, right. uh, of that. That you you truly are free of that. I mean, just that that freedom and release would be incredible. I mean. It would, yeah, I was just thinking the same thing, imagining a being able to live in such a way where you're not experiencing sadness, not experiencing anger, not experiencing any relational damage or tensions and for all of that to be gone, especially in a time that we're living right now where there's so much going on that is sad and is hard and hard to even sort through that's yeah. free of all of that. Yeah, it makes me think of uh, the Jesus Storybook Bible, which, Zach, I know you've mentioned at times yeah. in sermons, but I uh, read it with my kids all the time, and it, it says a number of times that uh, Jesus is in the process of making all the sad things come untrue, which yeah. I think is a really powerful statement. And that yeah. comes from the book of Revelation, you know, just to ground this conversation in Scripture, at the end of the book of Revelation, when when John sees Jerusalem coming down, right, and, and, and you get this picture of heaven and earth becoming one, right? That there is no longer a separate place for God and man, but that, that there's reconciliation. We're going to live together again, and Jesus is going to be our king. And Jesus says, behold, I am making all things new. And one of the things I love about that is uh, what he's really saying is heaven is breaking through even now. Because mm-hmm. he says, he doesn't say, I will make all things new. He says, I am making all things new. It's it's uh, it's now, and there's a theological phrase that I love that says, it's already, not yet. Okay. It's already happening, but it's not yet completed. And and that that is a really exciting thing um, because what we're talking about here about being the best version of yourself and being set free, like when God saves you, so as you listen to this, if you're a Christian, as God has saved you and is sanctifying you, that's heaven breaking through. Like mm-hmm. you you are slowly and gradually, as, as we begin to align our families with God's kingship, as we begin to orient our money in, in God's kingship and so on and so on, heaven is breaking through right. and we're getting glimpses of, of what it will be like. Like one of the things that people tend to forget is that God uh, is the most joyful being in the universe and uh, that what heaven will be uh, will be something that is uh, filled with a joy and a continuous joy. I remember reading, it was a while ago, and I don't know, I'll paraphrase this, but uh, I remember reading that somebody, a theologian said that when God created all things, the sound that echoed in the universe was that of raucous laughter. Mm-hmm. And I think of the joy that God had when he created all things, that the angels looked in wonder and couldn't help but laugh 
and joy at what God had created, uh, that is going to be our reality. Yeah, it's a good metaphor, I think, is you remember when you're a kid and, and you would get together with the family for Christmas and, you know, you would have a variety of presents there waiting for you and you knew which family members gave good presents and which ones <laughs> didn't, right? And so you would go to open a present from a certain family member, you think, oh, this is going to be socks or, you know, whatever. But you'd have a certain family member where you knew they gave great presents and you couldn't wait to open their present, not because you knew what it was, but because you knew who they were. Yeah. You, yeah. you knew. And yeah. it's similar because I think the Bible does say a lot about heaven. In some ways, it's also a little vague yeah. because the idea is heaven is a place where we're going to be with God and he's in charge and and, and he's made it, right? He, he's made the earth and he's renewing it and he's great. So it's going to be great, right? The emphasis is on the centerpiece of heaven less the details uh, uh, of heaven. I think what you just said is really important too, because more than even making things new, you know, Revelation 21 talks about God making his dwelling place among his people, yeah. which is, right. if you think about right now, sin has broken yeah. our relationship with God and it's not what it could be. Yeah, I want to flesh that out too, because I think that's some of the the great joy of heaven is when when I read Genesis 2 and I read that that Adam and Eve talk to God, right? So they're totally free of any spiritual confusion. They know exactly right. who God is. Yep. They know exactly what God is doing. And then I think, what would the world be like if it was like that? Like, think about all the damage that is caused by spiritual confusion, yeah. right? By not knowing who's right about God, who speaks for God, right? They didn't have that. The second thing is, is they were naked without shame, which means they were totally free of insecurity, right? Totally free yeah. of... And I think about what... Who would I be if I was absent any spiritual confusion, and without any insecurity, and who would we be? Yeah. And that's what they had in Eden, and that's what we'll have in the new heavens and new earth because uh, God will dwell with us, no spiritual confusion, and we'll, we will be made new. There will be no need for insecurity because there'll be nothing to hide. We won't be worried about something being uncovered. And that's one of the mm -hmm. things, too. I think sometimes when people think of heaven, and uh, I can be guilty of this, too, you uh, make the mistake of thinking of the Father's stuff, and not the father, because people will say, "Oh yeah, when I get to heaven, I will see, you know, my my mother or my brother or whatever." And, I'll be and able going, to dunk a basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And and somebody will say, "Well, you know, will my pet be in heaven?" And you want to go, "Well, you know, listen, uh, you know, what Zach was saying was right. The the present under the tree that is the present you look forward to is it's not that you know what's in the present; it's you know who the giver yeah. of the present is." We will get to the giver of all good things and everything you have ever enjoyed in your whole life, everything you have ever loved, everything that has ever loved you back is just a tiny, taste. tiny taste yeah. of the one who is the origin but of all yeah, things. The other thing that cracks me up is when people say, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God this. Yeah. I'm going to ask God <laughs> that. It's like, well, wait a minute. Yeah, when you, you, when you get to questions. heaven, first of all, when you see God, you will not be able to speak, number one. And number two, when you get to heaven, you don't get to be God. So like God is, there's not this obligation where God's like, okay, okay pull who's out got the question? questions. <laughs> like I got to, and, and, and his answers, panel be, discussion. because he's God, his answers won't fit in your head. Like all the knowledge that he has and all the reasons that he had and the way he was massively orchestrating the universe to come to its conclusion is not going to fit in your head. Let me, let me say one other thing about heaven, because I think sometimes people wonder, what are we going to do there? Right? What are we going to do there? And, and look, the Bible is clear. Worship is going to be a, a key part of it. But when we think worship, we tend to think worship services. Now, I will just add that when you're in a great worship service, anytime you've been in a phenomenal worship service where the presence of the Lord is felt, you're never looking at your watch. I will just say that. that That is true. But also, let me say this, that 
the, in the, in, when God puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and he tells them, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, fill it, have dominion over it, he, he intends them to build, yeah. shape, create, mm-hmm. make, right? And the Bible begins in a garden, it ends in a city. It has in mind progress. So, so what if, what if, and I think biblically I can support this, although I can't point to a verse that says it. What if the new heavens and the new earth is simply God giving the earth back to the church with a blank slate and saying, now let's get back to doing what I said do. Let's build, let's shape, let's create so that we are making art, we are creating, we are designing, we are building, but with an eternity to do it, with God as our resource, right? So what will it be like for you to have an eternity to say, I want to play the piano, right? And I'm, I'm going to worship God through the through through music and understanding music and, right? So when you put it that way, that you see that heaven is an opportunity to be human in every sense of the yeah, word, right. to be human and to come alive uninterrupted and unconcerned about the things that tend to rob us of our humanity. Well, and everything that we do can be an act of worship. So when it speaks of worshiping on and on and on, all of our activity, all of the things that we're going to be doing is for his glory and will be for his glory, and he is the source of it. So, so a question I hear all the time, uh, and, and even I try to think through what will relationships with each other yeah. look like in heaven? Will we, you know, will we know each other? Will we recognize each other? Will we be so caught up in what God's doing that we won't see? I, yeah, I, I think, again, I, I, I do want to press into the metaphor of the present under the tree and say that, we, you know, uh, as a kid, going go back to the metaphor and saying as a kid, you want to know what's in there, what's in there, what's in there. But of course, the adult knows the joy is you don't know what's in there. If you did know, they would rob you of the joy, right? And there is a little bit of that the end of the Christian life is in a box under a ribbon, under a tree, and it's going to be great, right? So I want to be careful to try to resolve too much mystery. But I do think the book of Hebrews will say Jesus is our forerunner, right? He goes first. And if you look at Jesus, when he raises from the dead and appears to the disciples, he is still Jesus, right? They recognize him. They, they know him. He eats food, right? He, they can touch him. He, so, so if we look at Jesus and we say Jesus is the first uh, you know, resurrected uh, man, then we would assume I'm going to look like me because Jesus looked like Jesus. You're going to be able to touch me because you can we'll touch Jesus. I'm going to eat food because Jesus ate food, right? So there are, uh, so yeah, I would say all, all of those things, yes. Well, I mean, but then of course you have Jesus saying things like you won't be married in heaven. You you won't get married. You won't be married to the person you're married to. So yeah, I think there are a lot of little indicators, but I also think we need to be careful to resolve too much of the or try to resolve too much the mystery. And I think when he says that uh, you won't be married in heaven, I think people need to make sure that they don't uh, kind of take the move to saying, oh, well, we will be lacking something that we had here that was wonderful here. What was wonderful here is, again, just a, a preamble, just a, a taste of what the reality is there. So what I assume is the richest relationship we've ever had here. Let's say you had a phenomenal marriage, which I feel like I have had. Uh, when I get to heaven, that will uh, pale in uh, relation to the uh, the kind of relationships that we will have in heaven. It almost is reframing the question about marriage. Marriage exists because we lack here. It's not something we will lack yeah. there. Correct. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It also speaks to also a fundamental change is that heaven is like Eden, but it is not Eden. Like there is a there is a difference. 
in that you know Adam and Eve are married right. and they are having children and they are and 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 we're not in in heaven. So it is like that, but it is not. But you know, I'll, I'll say this: my favorite novel, so like my Lord of the Rings, as it is to Joe, is East of Eden by John Steinbeck and. And one of the things that that book is about uh, is that mankind, you know, when, when Adam and Eve send and God sends them out of the garden, he sends them east of Eden, right? So Steinbeck is grabbing hold of that and saying, that's where we all live. We all live in a place we don't really belong, missing something without really knowing how to get back. And actually the novel is about all the different things people try, you know, marriage, sex, money, children, right? They try all these things to somehow get back to Eden and they never seem to make it. And I I think this is part of the present that we can't understand. We don't realize what we're lacking. Yeah. We don't realize how east of Eden we are. Right. Right? And so, like, the best thing we can say about heaven is we will be in Eden. We will be all the things we're lacking now, all the things we don't have that we don't even know. You know, I think of Paul in Romans when he says the Holy Spirit prays for us, things we don't even know to, to pray for ourselves. Like, we, we, all, we know so little about even ourselves, right? And in heaven, all those things we don't even know, the God who is the great gift giver will give to us, and it's going to be great. You've been listening to Church Unplugged, the podcast of Christ Community Chapel. In each episode, we're going to look at topics and questions that are related to our faith in Jesus and to the way that it plays out in everyday life. We want your feedback. We want your suggestions. If you've got ideas or questions that you'd like to hear answered on the show, you can email us at churchunplugged at ccchapel.com. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.